If you are looking to continue developing your coaching skills or have a new coach that you'd like to train or onboard, check out our upcoming activity coaching clinics. We are hosting both our basics and advanced clinics every Monday for our basics clinic and Tuesday for our advanced clinic from 1.30 to 3 Central Standard Time. It runs October 2nd through November 6th, and you can learn more and register at heatherpriceconsulting.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina, where we discuss coaching strategies for the overachievers, the slow starters, and everyone in between. We're going to share everything we know about instilling early success habits, the science behind activity, and how to build a values-based, FR-centered coaching philosophy. Activity Coaching Conversations is all about balancing accountability with the art and science of coaching. Hello, everybody. It's so good to be back in the studio. If you haven't noticed, Sabina and I took a little hiatus for a couple months to recenter, recalibrate. Yay! Have missed you all and are looking forward to today. Very much echo what Heather said. I'm excited to be back. It feels weird to have taken a little hiatus, but also re-energizing. Exactly. So exactly. Here we go. Here we go. All right. And what a way to kick it off. I know, I know. So if you haven't noticed, the title of this episode is Granum Didn't Live in Absolutes. If that didn't catch your attention, I don't know what will. I'll tell you more about the title in just a minute, but I want to introduce our guest speaker, Katie Fuller. Hello. How are you? Hi, I'm so good. I'm so good. How are you all? Doing awesome. It was good to see you at TalentWorks a few weeks ago. Maybe that was a month ago already. Time yeah. flies. I know. I don't even know. I, know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. <laughs> Especially on a short week. Well, let me do a little intro on you, and then we'll dive into our content for today. So Katie, an accomplished financial services recruiter, joined Northwestern Mutual in 2016 as just that, a recruiter, because she wanted to work for the company she was never able to recruit against. I love that. Um, Northwestern Mutual. Yeah, it is the leader in the industry. Over the years, Katie continued to expand her impact and was promoted to chief recruitment officer. And after serving in that role for more than two years, Katie was tapped on the shoulder to become her network office's first ever chief development officer. She is proud to be a first-generation American and the first in her family to graduate from college, the University of Colorado Boulder. Katie serves on the Sacramento Diversity and Inclusion Council, and she is part of the company-wide Women's Leadership Program inspiring and elevating causes close to her heart. She and her husband, Opie, live in Rockland with their daughters, Eleanor and Georgia. Katie and Opie co-founded, I love this, the Eleanor Fuller Forever Foundation, providing children with the funds to participate in extracurricular activities, as well as helping to ensure they have the tools necessary to succeed in the classroom. So that's her formal intro, but I have to tell you, Sabina and I met Katie a couple years ago when she attended our activity coaching clinic. And I have to tell you, her passion for this company and growing others was so glaringly obvious. Your engagement, again, just your energy levels, you are like a ball of contagious positive energy, and you are a true, <laughs> a true leader through and through. So we are so glad to have you join us today. Thank you. 
Of course. I am so happy to be here. I, you know, I've been obsessed with you both since we met. So <laughs> sweet. You're sweet. Okay, so let's go back to the title. Granum didn't live in absolutes. Um, Katie, when you and I first connected via the phone after Talent Works, I was like, we're doing a podcast together. I just asked you, like, let's talk a little bit about what you're passionate about when it comes to activity coaching. And that was the first thing you said. You said Granum didn't live in absolutes. So let's start with that. I love that phrase. Tell us more about that and what it means to you. Yeah, part of my own kind of development journey was really digging into activity coaching. And that really started with both of you. And as I really started to dig into what Granum truly said and believed was that what we necessarily preach in the field is not actually how Granum viewed activity, that there is no such thing as a pass fail. There are ranges and we're aspiring to be a certain level of advisor. And so that was something that we implemented locally of trying to really implement this mindset of there is no pass fail. There is the level of aspiration, but that if you don't do every single tiny little line, right, that doesn't mean failure either. And I think that especially for women and people of color, having that mindset of I don't have to be perfect every day to be successful is really, really important. Yep. Sabine, I saw you taking notes. I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. We're super passionate about it. I love the idea, though. Everybody does think Granum is this set number. It, there are set numbers, right? But you are exactly correct. There are ranges. Sure. He talks about exceptional. He talks about average. And he talks about surviving. And like you said in our conversation, no one lives in Granum 100% of the time. I mean, Granum is perfection. Nobody has the perfect Granum day every single day, five days a week, 365 days a year. So I really appreciated that. Sabina, what are your thoughts on that? I think it speaks to the thing that we say all the time, which is know the truth of your own situation so that you can take appropriate action. That's the most important thing Granham ever said. If he were here today, he would echo exactly what Katie has just said. This is a business of growth and progress, not perfection. There is no perfection in an unlimited opportunity, right? Because no matter where you are, you can always go further. <laughs> And so I think it's, to your point, it's important to know where you want to go and how you want to get there and to know how to track your own numbers so you know what your, quote, granum is, right? And I want to add one other thing, right. too. It's not just a set of numbers. It's a whole system of organization. I mean, based on follow-up and follow-through yes. with people that you do business with, people you haven't yet done business with, and so forth. So I think, I think that's a, such an important message. Yes, we talk about that all the time. Yeah, so let's take that a little bit further, Katie, because you discussed how, like, what you do with that philosophy of that it's in ranges, and you talked about coaching to the individual. So tell us how you take that philosophy of it being a range and not being an absolute and how you apply that to activity coaching on a daily basis. Yeah, so one of the first things that we do with new financial advisors is have them define what success looks like to them. Because they're not going to connect to anything that is important to me. And they shouldn't, right? They're not here for me. And so what is what does success look like for you at the end of six months, at the end of a year? What do you want to be able to look in the mirror and say that you've accomplished? And then we make sure that's very, very clear that for the first three to six months, depending on how good you are at posting and planning, like Sabina said, right? Yeah. You have to know where you're at. But we are going to aspire to the level of exceptional granum. 
Because by doing that, we are going to have enough data to then be able to truly look at you and know your situation. Because every individual, their market, their skill set is all going to put them in completely different places. And it should, right? Again, Granum is not absolute. And so once we have six months worth of in a perfect world, right, keeping 60 meetings, getting 80 referrals, that will give us the ability to then look at their individual activity ratios and what they need to do to then accomplish what their level of success truly means. Because some advisors want to hit forum and want to hit forum as soon as humanly possible. And I want to be their person to make sure that we help them get that done. But some people also, we have an advisor who's been an advisor for 10, 12 years, and he lost both of his parents pretty tragically when he was young. And so his number one priority in life is being the most present father humanly possible. And so he has built a practice where he gets to work 12 days a month and spend the rest of his time with his kids and makes plenty of money and gets to live his life. And that was what defined success for him. And that's what was going to get him to do the hard work early on. And so it's about knowing what motivates someone, what their most amazing future truly looks like, and then coaching to that specifically. Mm -hmm. You do a lot in your office around vision and helping them identify their vision. Tell us a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah, I just personally believe that if you don't know where you're going, you're going to row in circles and be really, really tired and not get anywhere. And so part of building out a vision is something that we start very, very early on in their practice, even just in onboarding before they're ever even out in the field. Because yes, building a vision takes time and you may not know what the end game is day one and that's okay. It's going to evolve over time. But I have a prompt that tells everyone, imagine your life 10 years from now, what does it look like in a perfect world? And I will tell you, I think I've said this to maybe you in the past, Heather, is that I had never written a vision in my life until I went to the home office for a first ever women's leadership program session. And they were like, oh, you're going to write a vision. And I just thought that was so touchy feely and like, so not me. (laughs) And then I wrote it and it changed my life. And so really taking the time to identify who you want to be in all aspects of your life allows you to really be where your feet are and do the work required to make that happen. And it really does help you achieve those things way faster than you thought you ever could have beforehand. I appreciate your honesty on the vision part. Writing a vision is hard. People think it's just something you sit down and do, but it takes patience. It takes time. It's not something you do in one sitting. But here's the thing. Like you Mm -hmm. said, hard things are worth it, right? I mean, it is, I kind of liken it, Sabina, to in our activity coaching clinics when people do role play and they hate it and they're like, I don't want to do it. And they're terrified. And Mm -hmm. afterwards, they're like, the best part was role play. I wish we did more of it, right? I mean, we grow (laughs) from different things. They know they're going to live through it. (laughs) Exactly. That's the truth. Well, and I think an important thing to remember is for some people who come to the career, it's the first time anyone's ever asked them to write a vision. It's the first time we spend a lot of time talking about personal and professional growth and vision and all of these big life things. And for a lot of people, this is the first place they've ever been where they have a chance to talk about that. So they don't necessarily know the answer, you know, like they're they're kind of like, oh, what's the right answer? What do I say? Are they going to fire me if I don't have one? And so talk a little bit about how you can right. grow into that if you don't necessarily come armed with that, because maybe it's the first time anybody's ever asked you. 
Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I have advisors say like, I've never worked somewhere where someone cared about how I felt this much. <laughs> and it like almost freaks them out. Yeah. And and I get it. So I I really think that a vision is going to evolve and grow. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I have found that the younger someone is, the harder it is for them to look out 10 years. Sure. And so if that is a challenge for them, if that's something that gives them anxiety and it just doesn't feel like something that is really going to hold true and motivate them the same way it would for me, then we shrink it down and just say, okay, 365 days from now, what do you want to be able to tell yourself that you accomplished? What do you want to be able to look at the people who love you and say, look what I did this year? And so, and again, that's personal and professional because in our worlds, those are very intertwined. And that's Mm -hmm. what's so cool about what we do is that the life that we're building is very much around personal and professional, but it all starts here, right? And doing the work and being able to be where your feet are. I want to go granular for a second. You started the vision conversation by saying you ask them, imagine your life 10 years from now. Tell us some of the other vision prompting questions that you use. Like what should coaches be asking to help them get started on their vision? So I will literally say, because for me, right, when they were like, please write a vision, I was like, you've got to be (laughs) kidding. Like I did not know where to start. And so it's literally, what does your home look like? What does it feel like? I when I read it, I want to be able to smell it, hear it, see it and feel it. So I always just kind of tell them the beginning of my vision, which is it starts with me and my family sitting on our couch on Christmas Eve, watching Christmas vacation and baking cookies because Christmas is my favorite thing in the entire world. I'm obsessed with it. My house looks like Santa threw up at Christmas and <laughs> and like that. Like building a vision around a memory like that. And I really started with my personal life. What did I want that to truly look like? What did I want my children to be able to do? What did I want my husband to have the ability to do? And as that grew, it became much easier to define what that looked like professionally. But I think for most people, that's a challenge and that's okay. We just have to be willing to be a little bit uncomfortable and just start somewhere. I love that you have your own vision. And my guess is as a coach, when you are asking other people to do their vision, it's much easier to ask them to do that because you yourself have done it. That is one of my big faux pas. Like I cannot stand when, (laughs) as a coach, you're asking other people to do something in which you have not done yourself. So anybody listening, I would say, if you are going to ask reps to put together the FRs that you're coaching a vision, please make sure you've done one yourself. Put in the hard work. And like you said, Katie, it's worth it people will be so glad they did it. Yes. And then share it with people, right? A vision is important for yourself, but also the people around you need to know what you value and who you want to aspire to be so that they can support you in doing that. Because again, none of this is for us, right? We're all just here to help other people fulfill their vision. And so We have to be courageous enough to share that personal side of ourselves with the people around us so that we can all become the best versions of ourselves. And I think you you have to read it. Some of the most successful reps I know read their vision literally at the beginning of every single day. Because I think it's easy when you get Mm -hmm. into the nuts and bolts and mechanics of making it happen and you get, you know, you get all caught up in the activity and getting results and getting stuff through underwriting and getting more product. You do all the things. 
you forget sometimes why you're doing it. And so I think it's really important. It's like values. You can't just write them and stick them on a wall somewhere. You have to revisit them and bring them into the conversation on a regular basis. So I know one of the things you also do is use the vision in board of review. Can you tell us a little bit about how that process works too and how to keep the vision alive? Absolutely. Yeah. The very first thing we do in every single board of review meeting is we talk about their vision. If they have a full written vision, either they will read it, I will read it to them, or their mentor will read it to them. Because we find that switching that up has Mm -hmm. a different impact, hearing it, hearing your mentor say it out loud to you, right? Hearing me read it to you. And if they don't have a full written vision, we're still starting the conversation and grounding ourselves in what's important and why we're even here. And so I start most of any sort of activity coaching meeting with that, even if it's very brief of let's remind ourselves of why we're here and what's important and why we're doing the things that we're doing and why getting that one extra point could make a difference. And I also just encourage everybody. I have I'm not great at reading my vision every day, like uh, total transparency. I'm not good at that. I just like I wake up and I just start running as, you know, people with kids, I yep. think generally do. But I have a visual version of it, different pictures that remind me of all the different pieces of my vision. And it's the desktop on my computer. And so all throughout the day, I'm reminded of all of those different things. And there's quotes on it that when I need to be reminded of why I'm here, it's right there in front of me. And so I always encourage everybody, like make a visual version of it and just save it as an image to your desktop. I love that. Katie, you definitely believe in the importance of a business owner mindset. I know we've discussed that. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something that's challenging, especially for the our younger, newer financial advisors is because a lot of the people who join Northwestern Mutual Firms are not fully understanding, I think, that this is a true business owner opportunity. And we have to teach them how to view it that way, how to be that business owner, because most of them have spent their entire lives in building a business for somebody else. And so we have to, from the very, very beginning, help them understand that this is all about their them and their business and who they want to be, which ties exactly back into their mm-hmm. vision. So like we have very regular conversations about how activity coaching can start to feel performative if the activity coach is not super dialed in Mm -hmm. and paying attention to the person across the table from them, because you have to be able to notice when they're just telling you what Mm -hmm. you want to hear and be able to really stop them and say, Hey, listen, like this conversation, I think you're just telling me what I want to hear. This seems performative. Like what's truly going on? Because this is again, is not about us. So what's going on in your business that's making this happen? Yeah. And so it's just a lot of conversations, I think, about helping people understand the value of what they're building. And that's truly through a business owner mindset. Mm-hmm. And not making it obligatory or checking the box like, oh, I came to this meeting because I'm supposed to. Here are my numbers. This is what you wanted to hear me say. Right. I mean, it is you don't want it to be out of compliance. You want them to be there for the bigger picture why they're building that. And I think it's sometimes it's easy for them to right. forget, especially if they're coming from a very different world where they were 
eight to five and check. I see that all the time with reps that say they're working so hard. And Granham's definition of hard work, right? He's like, it's not the number of hours you put in. This is activity and productivity based. I have a rep that I'm coaching and mm-hmm. he's his activity isn't great, to be honest, but he takes a lot of time out of the business. And I said, you know, what would that do to your mindset if you did the same amount of activity, but you did it in three days and then didn't have to worry about the other two days? Or I just think people can be more efficient when they have a business owner mindset and they realize it's not about the number of hours or who's watching you or checking the box because somebody else said this is the process, but truly helping them understand they're doing it for the bigger picture and what they're building. Yes. And I think it's difficult for them to understand sometimes too, because it's not like a regular brick and mortar business. And so I'll use that mm-hmm. comparison sometimes, you know, like say you have a neighborhood hardware store. How long do you think that store would be open if the person who owned it wasn't keeping track of stuff, you know, didn't log their inventory, didn't count their cash at the end of the day, right? The answer is not very long. And so it makes them, it kind of helps them connect to that because it is, it's a business. It's not just, and you're the CEO, the janitor, the <laughs> the guy, the person who sweeps the hall. Right. I mean, you're, you're everything, right? In the beginning. And they yes. have to understand too, they're yes. building something from the ground up. I always tell people, don't make those big decisions at the peak of the learning curve. Everybody wants to quit at least once, right? In that first year, because you're starting, you're building everything from scratch. But that's how all businesses start. Mm-hmm. I always tell our advisors that in the first year, you will probably think about quitting once a week. You should just expect that. Year two through four, maybe, you might think about quitting once a month. And after year five, you're going to wonder why you ever thought about quitting, right? But you have to know that going in. And again, right, right, that's why having that extremely strong vision on the other side can propel you through those first several years, whether it's a day you're thinking about quitting, a week, whether you're thinking about quitting. Honestly, the most successful advisors in our firms are just the ones that stuck it out, yeah. right? Stuck it out long enough yeah. to see because Granum is also not just about what's going to happen in the first year, right? All the things you do in the first uh-huh. year create all of the stuff for you in the second yes. and the third and the fourth. And so it's really about sticking it out long enough to see the benefit of all of your hard work, which does not happen in the first 365 days. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the things that we love to do on this show is share language and actual verbiage that we would use in a coaching meeting. So we are going to do our Say Say That that Again, 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 again. our Say That Again segment. And what I would love for you to do, Katie, is share a little bit. We've Sabine and I have talked about in previous episodes, and we talk about this in our clinics, but radical candor, the idea of being able to give very direct feedback and wearing that truth teller hat as a coach. So I would love for you to share a little bit about your thoughts on radical transparency as you've called it. And then if you would be open to it, demonstrate what that radical transparency might sound like in an activity coaching conversation if you're open to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fundamentally, I have literally a sticker right here on my computer because it's something that does not come naturally to me. But I believe, and I stole this from Brene Brown, that being clear is kind. Unclear is unkind, right? Mm-hmm. Our job is to tell people the truth. My and, and my job is not to be nice. It's to be kind. And so if I'm sitting in front of an advisor who has this really, really strong vision and they're sitting there and they kept 32 meetings last month, right? We've all been in that moment. And the honest feedback I'm going to give them is, hey, listen, what part of your vision is no longer something that you want to accomplish? 
And then they just kind of stare at you. And you're like, well, this vision, this a 60, this is a 70 kept a month vision. And you kept 32. So like, just help me understand, like, which one of these things did you want? Do you want? Because I want all of them for you. But if you don't want them for yourself, that's okay. And so it's, I just, one, really lead with questions. But I think if you want to truly make an impact, you have to, it all has to come back to that vision. But I'm just going to be really transparent and say, you're not living up to your own expectations of yourself. So what do we do about it? What I love about those questions is it forces personal responsibility. The number of people that we all have coached that say they want personal accountability, hold my feet to the fire, shoot it to me straight. They all say that. But then when you tell them, right, when you tell them you said you were going to do this and you didn't, then they kind of get all, you know, well, what? They're surprised. Why are you being so mean to me? (laughs) Right. Why are you being so mean to me? But the way you did it, though, is like you're putting their vision right back in Mm -hmm. front of them. And you're saying you said this was important. This is a 70 kept vision. You did 30. What part of this isn't important anymore? I mean, that's like, bam, that's direct, but it's kind. it forces that personal responsibility, which I love. Yes. And one other piece of language that I actually stole from you two that I still use to this day is at what point in the day did you realize and decide you weren't going to keep your hit your goals? Yep. I say it constantly. Yeah. Or at what point in the day yeah. was that not meaningful to you anymore? Did you just decide mm-hmm. that this yeah. wasn't helpful or meaningful to you anymore? <laughs> Yeah. Right. And it does, it does one of two things. It either forces people to say, I made a deliberate decision not to do that because X was more important or like, Oh, I didn't realize until I posted this morning that I hadn't done it, you know, which tells you a whole different scenario. So yeah, it's it's been a very effective question for 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's sitting up and applauding. That's what I think. Uh I think about that often. Is his presence not missed, right? There's just something about, you know, I'm so glad we continue to talk about him and his legacy and how important, right? I mean, even Mm -hmm. though, like you said, Katie, it is about the individual. It isn't necessarily about him or the numbers. That is important. But unless we can tie it to the individual and make it about them, it's not going to have the same power. So, well, We talked about a lot today. We talked about Granum. We talked about, you know, the importance of posting and planning a little bit briefly because you can't help somebody with their specific ratios unless they're posting and planning. We talked about vision, getting people to connect to the bigger picture, the importance of a business owner mindset, some radical transparency, anything else that you would like to share, Katie, whether it's your favorite coaching technique or a best practice, feedback, any additional thoughts? You know, the only thing that really comes to mind is better relationship you can have with the people you are responsible for coaching, the more impactful you are going to be able to be as a coach. They need to know that you care about them as a human being, that you care about their family, that you care about who they want to become. And once they know that, you can be radically transparent with them. But, you know, they always say, right, accountability without a relationship is Mm -hmm. harassment. And so being a human being, being authentic with them and allowing them to be authentic with you is the most powerful thing that you could possibly do as a coach. There's a quote that's resonating in my mind when you say that, and it's by Lincoln. I use it all the time by Abraham Lincoln. He said, I don't like you very much. I probably need to get to know you better. And I think that holds true. Yes. You know, it's like if we don't have a good relationship with them, we probably need to get to know them better. I just think you're not going to go very Mm -hmm. far without that. So that's awesome advice. Thank you, Katie. Sabina, any final thoughts on your end? 
No, I think this was awesome. I'm always excited to be around Katie and her amazing energy. So thank you for joining us today and sharing all your wisdom. Of course. I think a lot of people are going to benefit from this. Yeah. Thanks so much. You guys have a great day. And thanks to our listeners. We'll see you next time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.